Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Matthew Unmuted. Today I have a guest on and somebody who's actually been on the podcast before. We've got Matthew Whitefu from NKW, NKW Fitness. How are you today, Matthew? Thank you, mate. No, very well. I'm buzzing to be back on the podcast again, actually. So um, we'll have a really good, uh, good conversation, I hope. Your last episode actually did really well because we just talked about stuff that could help a beginner. So we yeah. called the last episode a beginner's guide. And we based it on stuff that would just really help somebody starting out on a fitness journey, get into weights, get into nutrition and stuff. And I think it was a really, really well-structured episode. So we try to keep the structure the same today in terms of having a conversation, but at the same time, teaching you guys something about fitness. Okay. Yeah. So before we get into the actual bit of the podcast, I want to ask Matthew some quick fire questions. I want to get to know him a little bit better. So let's go for it. I know you well. Yeah. But I actually don't know some of these questions. Yeah. First up, yeah. what is your favorite food to eat? Oh, my favorite food. So there's, I mean, there's too many. Do you know what? I'm going to go for a rogue shout, actually. I love a, a chicken katsu, a, a katsu curry. Ooh. Um, but even better. Ma, I don't know if you've ever been on or you guys know um, Malt Kitchen, but they've got some unbelievable recipes um, and they've got a really good, it's like a chicken katsu curry burger. Absolutely just the best. Oh, delicious. I'd probably say that to be honest with you. Um, anything with fried chicken is always a winner too. Fried chicken is the best. Uh, it's a good question to ask because we're going to be talking a lot about food today. Yeah. Um, the second one, and this is one that I just, I know because I've been somewhere this year. I know you've got a holiday plan this year, but what is your favorite holiday? Like, what's your favorite holiday. place you've been? I think I'll be honest. The first, well, first time I went traveling myself solo, I went out to Thailand. Thailand um, and just a beautiful culture, beautiful country, um, and yeah, just people are so nice and friendly and a total different way of life. Um, so yeah, so enjoyed it so much that we're going back out there again we're later on this year. year. And you've, we've got our friend out there who we actually just spoke about in your podcast. Yeah, mutual friend. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We're hoping in this episode no one comes to the door because it's happened on my podcast before. <laughs> it happened to Matthew there, but you, you can't stop life happening. Life happens. <laughs> so somebody came to the door and I just had to keep like talking on the podcast. We just kept it rolling. <laughs> so. It was brilliant. <laughs> and the last one, now this is one that I want to know because we train together. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite gym exercise? favorite exercise yeah so i've had it how do we think um over a, a bit of time about this one um i really enjoy i think if i someone put a gun to my head and said you can only perform one movement for the rest <laughs> of your life um in the gym which obviously that would never happen but hypothetically speaking um really i think a bulgarian split squat to bulgarian honest, split squat i think because you can vary it up so much so you can take a dumbbell and you can use it you can hold it as a goblet position and um, you can kind of target your, your your thighs a little bit more, or you can kind of lean into a little bit more with kind of dual dumbbells by the sides and make it a little bit more kind of like glute focused. Yeah. Um, and also I just really enjoy actually the feeling and the burn that you get through your, through your bum and your legs when doing a split squat. You're a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. I was expecting you to say like something like maybe a shoulder for a deadlift. <laughs> Split squats. It's the most effective leg exercise, so probably, effective. but it's savage. It's really tough. Um, last thing, actually, before we get into the podcast, I want to know what your favorite thing about being a PT is so people know what yeah. you like about your job. Yeah. So oh, there's so many things, to be honest, but to be honest, just the rewarding nature of it, just seeing people progress, seeing people get a mental buzz from the work that you're doing with them, um, and just generally speaking, feeling good about what you're doing and that you're helping people. And become better versions of themselves and um, so yeah i would have to say that i mean that's the thing that inspired me to become a pt and it's the thing that keeps you going 
yeah. every single day and days are struggles you always think i'm actually making a difference in people's lives yeah um, right so the podcast today is going to be about calories now matthew and i discussed topics and we're, we were kind of always coming back to fat loss and calories because that's what all clients yeah. want to know about they want to know the best way to lose body fat the best way to gain shape so what we're going to go over today is how you can actually just get used to tracking your calories and whether or not you should actually do it for yourself Let's do it. so matthew what before we get into the podcast what is your kind of biggest struggle with calories with clients in terms of getting into tracking and stuff yeah well i definitely would say um a big struggle is people are really happy to track calories throughout the week monday to friday yeah and um, when it comes to friday evening um people really i've noticed and observed through experience struggle with balance and that kind of social aspect so if they're out for drinks um, and dinner over the weekend um, and then if they're hungover on sunday <laughs> often a big takeaway <laughs> um, and the tracking will generally speaking go out the window um, and then it's back into monday i mean don't get me wrong you know I like to live by the 80-20 rule as well. And I say this to all my clients, obviously you have to have a bit of leeway with that here yeah. and there. Um, but yeah, definitely I think people tracking Monday to Friday is fine. Um, but I think people are missing out on a lot of potential gains and progress by then also not tracking the weekend. The weekend. And even if you're not eating especially well or foods with great nutritious value over the weekend, still recording it and measuring it is still good because then you're acknowledging that you've had it and it allows you to reflect on the week and maybe try and just get a little bit better Absolutely. the next week, you know. Um, so and I yeah. think as well, people overdo it for the week. They kind of they go into such an extreme deficit that they are doing the right thing in terms of losing body fat, but they're, they're messing up their progress because they're, they're just doing it in such an extreme way. Yeah. And then it gets to the weekend and they don't actually realize when they eat how hungry they are. So they don't actually notice how much they're eating. Yes, yeah. they're so in such an extreme deficit. But we're going to clear all those things up today and try and help everyone who listens to this get better at tracking their calories. Okay. Yeah. Now, before we start this, we kind of talked about how clients are just kind of like they almost they don't lie to themselves, but they often they do lie to themselves. Yeah. So it's like one of the things that a lot of my clients say is like, I've been in a calorie deficit for two months and I haven't lost body fat, or I've been in a calorie deficit for six months and I've not lost body fat, and I'll be like, that's the person saying that who has not been in a calorie deficit yeah. for two months. They're just they're basically underestimating how much food they're consuming. Yeah. So I want everyone to listen to that before they start and think, okay, am I actually properly tracking my calories? Um, so we're gonna split today up into a couple of sections. We're gonna start today by actually going over the best way to create a deficit. Now, you and I have talked about this a lot. We know that first, before you even create a deficit, you need to know your maintenance calories. Mm -hmm. So do clients like when you kind of ask them about their calories and stuff do they are they okay to give you things like weight and go into that kind of almost like they expose themselves to you so they have to give you your weight they have to tell you their age all these things do you ever have issues with that with clients yeah no all the time absolutely um so again not naming dropping people here in the slightest and um, but i have had yeah on multiple occasions actually and um, some people are just naturally really subconscious about their weight and stuff yeah. like that um, so we'll maybe chop down five to seven kilos off of it than what they probably yeah. actually are. Right? Yeah, they won't, they won't be honest with you, yeah. Totally, um, which obviously is, is tricky because you want the truth from them initially, obviously, to, to get the best results from possible, but totally. sometimes people just aren't ready to quite to, to quite get there um, until they kind of form that trust bond with you a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, definitely it's uh, it can be tricky when, when people aren't, aren't 
I mean, some people are, some people aren't. Some people just do not want to tell you the honest answer. Like I've had yeah. clients later down the line tell me, be like, I actually wasn't that way. Yeah. And they're scared and they should never be scared. And that's down to the exactly. fact that people have over time developed a really bad relationship with scales. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the reasons I want to actually talk about the scales today. Yeah. So yeah, the, the best way to create a deficit is find your maintenance calories first. Yeah. And then create a deficit from that. It doesn't have to be extreme. We're no. talking, it could be about I mean, it 200. Could, yeah, it could be 175 to 200 calories, you know. Um, if you're looking to get a bit of body recomposition, even as little as that is enough. And that's yeah. going to be sustainable over the long run, more so than like a 500 calories deficit. But if you're wanting to do like six weeks of just dieting getting you know getting down to a place where you want to be 500 calories is probably achievable but if you're doing that for six months yeah it's maybe not going to be as as achievable well it's all down to making sure you do it right so one of the other things you have to consider before you go into the deficit is in terms of your movement what yeah. can you do to improve it so there's a couple of different things you have to consider so first of all your bmr okay yeah. it's your basic metabolic rate so what you're yeah. burning on a normal daily basis yeah and that's it right so if i said matthew go up just lie on your bed do yeah. not do anything through that day, you'd have a certain amount of calories you would burn. Already burned. People never, ever consider that you actually just burn calories at rest. No. So that's one of the first things you have to consider. The next thing is your NEAT, yeah. so your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So keep it simple. That's basically any movement you do, like say you're walking around the supermarket, or if I was to say, Matthew, go get me another cup of coffee because it was nice. Yeah. You walking around, doing that, making that yeah. coffee, that's you burning calories. That takes up a massive amount of your calories in terms of what you're burning a day as well. Then you've got your eat. So that's actually the exercise you're doing. So your exercise activity thermogenesis. So Matthew, if we went to the gym, that's extra that's calories so you'd be burning. Yeah. So it's good for somebody to know yeah. these things before they start actually tracking their calories. The final thing is your thermic effect of food. So that's the food that is high in protein. Mm -hmm. Food that's going to actually allow you for the day to have a better metabolism and burn calories a bit more efficiently. Speed up. Yeah, exactly. So these are really important things. And you know, if you need to take a, a note, of all those things just do it because it's really crucial you know where your calories are being burned yeah. before you create a deficit that's in my opinion anyway yeah um now we're going to get on to actually tracking calories so with most clients i assume you're the same i use my fitness pal to track calories yeah, my fitness pal can't go wrong what would you say first of all would you say there's any problems with that in terms of tracking on there um, some people just don't like tracking, do they? They just, you know, they're, they're quite opposed to it. And, and I think one thing I've noticed through experience is people um, are scared of becoming obsessed with it. Yeah. And I have a few people who go, oh, I don't use my fitness pal because um, I get too too obsessed with it and I become too restrictive. But it, it, that's not what it's, it's, not what it's about. No. It's not that's what it's there for. It's there to be as a, used as a tool. Um, to help you over a, a short set period of time yeah and then once you get to a point where you, you actually feel a lot happier and a lot more knowledgeable about your calories you're actually eating yeah um, and foods that are good and, and, and better for you then you might get to a place where you, you don't actually need to yeah. um, use it anymore but until you get to that point just use it well that's it like, you know there's obviously pros and cons to tracking your calories and I do believe there's people who maybe shouldn't track their calories, people who've maybe got eating disorders, somebody who really is. We've kind of talked about this before the podcast started filming. Somebody who's really, really busy to a point where they don't even get on their phone. It's not going to be realistic for them to track their calories. So what I want to do is I want to actually just create a couple of pros and cons for it with yeah. you here. So first of all, for the pros, you're going to get a more accurate deficit. Yeah, you're going to be able to measure, you know, your progress more accurately, you know, exactly what you're eating, Yeah. Um, you know. And okay, yeah, you might get to a point where you're getting a bit fixated on your macros and stuff like that. But um, for most people, I just say, 
just worry about your protein, just worry about your calories. Totally bang on. Um, and then just let the rest take care of itself. And obviously, if you do start worrying about carbs and fats, it's just one other thing to stress about. Exactly. We don't want people who are listening to this to be stressed. It needs to be simple. So a con of it is obviously people don't track properly. Yeah. So that's one issue with tracking calories that I've yeah. had tons of difficulty with for clients. So do you have clients that can actually weigh their, do you ever have clients that actually weigh their food and they keep things really consistent? It is seldom. Like that, I'll be honest <laughs> when people do consistently weigh out your food. Um, but you, I mean, you can get to a point where you can kind of eyeball things roughly, but if you're wanting in this short period of time to be as consistent and, and accurate as possible, then yeah, just weigh it. It weigh takes it. two extra seconds. You whip the scales out, you pop it on. Although you might feel a bit daft initially, you'll get over that. Um, and it's only going to benefit you and help you. But I do, I do also understand that in, this is up to the individual. I mean, sometimes people's lifestyles don't suit that. Yeah. Um, and there's other ways, which I believe we're going to talk about later on in the yeah. podcast, that you can make progress with a calorie deficit without actually having to, to track or use Absolutely. And you know, if you are going to track your calories, you don't have to constantly do it year after year it could be that you just need to track your calories for a couple of months to mm -hmm. really get a hang of okay this is what's in this food just basically become more knowledgeable with the food you're eating yeah. and then if you are somebody who struggles with it you could just do it for a little while and then maybe stop for a while and you'll be in a much better place because you'll know what's in certain foods exactly let's say you're really more educated really, let's say you're really consistent um and i'll give you as an example you're somebody who maybe eats the same breakfast the same lunch similar dinners every week yeah you might need to track your calories for a month and be like okay i know what i'm eating now yeah. i know what my daily expenditure is i know how many times i go to the gym and it could be that you can then stop tracking calories so yeah so that's definitely a pro and a con for doing it another pro of doing it is if you're tracking your calories just like we said there your knowledge of food and calories will be superior to anyone else yeah. um so when you teach clients how to track calories do you find that it just helps them become a bit more aware of themselves Totally. I think one thing that people are generally guilty of is actually basically underestimate how much they're actually eating. So they'll kind of think, oh, I've only had 1,500 calories today, and actually probably, it's probably closer to 2,000, maybe even a bit more. Um, yeah. That's definitely something I've noticed. And yeah, it's, it's definitely people underestimating how much they eat. Um, and that's why it's so good, because you can visually see numbers, objective data <laughs> telling you, no, you've had this amount <laughs> obviously exactly um so yeah well it's like when we went to nando's recently remember we went with Keenan yeah. and i was sitting there and i was actually looking at the calories on on the menu so because they do that they have calories yeah. on the menu now and that's a whole other topic some, some people don't like it some people do and i was like oh my god if i have fry or chips and i have garlic bread i am way over a thousand calories yeah and I'm still going to do it. <laughs> like, that, that's something that, you know, a lot of people maybe don't even, they don't even pay attention to the calories. They just eat and eat and eat and they don't think about it. Yeah. So that's why it's such a pro and such a good thing to actually get mm -hmm. used to tracking calories, even if it's just for a short period of time. Okay. So anyone who's listening to this, I would say weigh up your options. If it does seem like the tracking your calories is going to be the best option for you, absolutely do it but don't feel like you have to do it forever yeah. some people get the idea in their head that if they track calories for a month it has to be like this thing where they do forever but no just get used to tracking a bit more and it will be probably the most effective way for you to lose body fat yeah now next thing i want to talk about and this is just going to be a quick little kind of a little bit of knowledge for you people who are listening on um, fat loss so matthew this is obviously a big question is do you think that clients when they come to you they ask for fat loss over everything else 
Do you think that's the top thing? I think it's definitely becoming more, I mean, I don't want to say fashionable, but yeah, people, I think generally speaking, most people want to come to the gym to achieve a bit of fat. Yeah. People want to look a bit better, don't they? Um, feel a bit better, but it all kind of links in with one another, isn't it? Feeling good, looking good. Um, definitely when you look at yourself in the mirror, you, you feel better about yourself, you know, generally. And then that has a knock-on effect on mental health side of things too. Um, so yeah, generally speaking, a lot of people come for fat loss, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah. It's, it's definitely good. something I notice with clients. And basically what most clients want is they want to visually see their body fat come off it. So exactly. you've got two different types of fat. You've got visceral fat, which is basically the fat that basically lies below your abdomen wall. So that's the fat that you can't see. But yeah. if you're healthier with the gym, if you do more cardio, that's the type of fat that you're going to obviously lose. Mm-hmm. As well as that, if you're better with nutrition, if you eat less kind of saturated fats, trans fats, these types of um, that type of fat on the body will basically just evaporate and so be a healthier person. But what most people want is the visual fat they can see. Okay. That's known as subcutaneous fat, and that's the fat that if I was to say to Matthew, if he came in the room, like, oh, Matthew, have you been eating too much yeah. food? You can see the fat see the visually on you. Um, not that I would ever say it to him. He's in great shape. <laughs> he would never say it to me because I would cry. <laughs> but that's the type of fat that most people want off. And every time you get a client come in the door, they want to see their fat loss. So I want to talk about this part here and base it on progress pictures. Mm-hmm. So with a client, do you think it's, it's beneficial for them to take a progress picture when they want to lower the calories and lose body fat? Yeah, absolutely. And because oh, you know, over the space of a few weeks, you know, you can see little changes here and there, and then that will lead to better motivation. Um, so it's definitely something I encourage. Um, had a client recently um, take a couple of sets of progress pictures. Um, and they actually didn't feel that they've made any progress at all, actually. But when they showed me the pictures, I was like, look, look at the difference here. Look at the difference here. And then you get a really nice comparison. So actually, things that you wouldn't ordinarily pick up just day to day, massive how, how much your body can change oh, in the yeah. space of even three or four weeks. And um, I bet that client after that then wanted to continue their journey because they were exactly. like, I'm actually making progress. Motivation spike. Because a lot of people who are listening to this, they probably have done the yo-yo situation where they, they, they go for it for a while, they do well, and then they start to go downhill. Yeah. And it just goes up and down, up and down. And it's because they have no real backup. Like, they might lose a couple of pounds in the scales in the first few weeks, and then it kind of plateaus. Yeah. And they're like, what's the point then? Yeah. But there is always a point. It's getting healthier. It's getting fitter. And if you see that Visually, you see it, yeah. It makes so, such a difference. 100%. So I want to kind of relate that to the scales as well. A lot of you people listening might think, oh, my God, I hate the scales. And, you know, we as PTs know all about them. So would you say the scales are good for clients or bad? This is a bit, that's a hard question. It's a hard question. Because I'm it? on the fence too. Yeah. Would you say it's good or bad for clients to weigh themselves? I think it's good. It's definitely good to weigh yourself. Um, it's not the most important metric to use or for measuring progress, I don't think, but it's definitely a good metric to yeah. use. So I think you should do it. But again, I try to encourage clients. I mean, this is just me personally, but once a week really any more than that and it's becoming a little bit you know now here nor there this is where a lot of pds differ yeah and this is why i think this would be a good topic because i'm different to that now yeah. so i used to think once a week is really good but yeah. what used to happen is clients would almost obsess completely over yeah. that day leading up to the days sometimes they would actually say to me i actually started to starve myself yeah because and I was like, no, no, you can't to do see that, that better yeah. result on the scale. And this this is much earlier on in my my PT career. They used to get such a kind of obsession about that one day. Yeah. So I would say that 
a client who's going to weigh himself, it, it really depends on what client it is, but it yeah. is beneficial. Yeah. I actually think it's good to weigh a little bit more regularly because yeah. they need to get used to the fact that the number on the scales, you need to detach from that and almost think, right, yeah. that's the number there, but that's not something that's going to impact my progress. That's just a tool there for me to notice my changes and notice I'm losing body mm-hmm. fat. So it's, it's very different because a lot of PTs say once a week, some say five times a week, some say seven yeah, times a week. It's very subjective, isn't it? Totally. The client experience. And then it comes down to the individual as well. I think if someone's really obsessed and wanting to weigh themselves every single day, more than once a week can, can become trickier, yeah. I think. Um, but or yeah, even, as you said. Even if they're like somebody who is really, really comfortable in themselves, it could work for them to weigh themselves every day. But as yeah. we said there, if somebody is maybe more nervous to step on the scales, it might be that they can't do it at all yeah. and they just have to focus on progress pictures. So yeah. it really is different for everyone. But anyone who's listening to this, don't feel like you have to do weigh-ins if it makes you feel nervous. That might be something you can do further down the line. But if you want to get fat loss, it's a really good tool because it'll, it'll help you realize no visual changes. Yeah. And based on calories, if you are in a deficit, there's no doubt about it, eventually the scales will start to go down. Yeah. Obviously, you can take muscle yeah. fat into consideration, but when you are new to your journey, and if you're somebody who is wanting to lose body fat, it's a great tool. Um, right, so the next one I want to get on to now, I want to talk a little bit about um, some, some hormones in the body that can be released if you are basically on a rubbish diet. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about somebody who is going to have McDonald's every day, mm-hmm. they're not eating good quality food. What's going to happen is they're basically just not going to be they're just not going to be satisfied so yeah what's going to be released then is ghrelin so that's a hormone that will basically leave you feeling hungry and leave you feeling unsatisfied in what you're eating um so have you ever gone through a phase in your life where your diet's gone completely off and you just don't want to train you feel demotivated and you're just low on energy oh totally i mean you know the second your diet goes downhill i'm not talking about a diet in terms of dieting i'm just talking about your day-to-day yeah you know consumption of food through nutrition basically exactly nutrition yeah when you are eating worse quality foods and uh, you know you're having a mcdonald's on a wednesday evening you know you might go and grab a meal deal on thursday afternoon <laughs> you know i think you feel a little bit less organized so that impacts your mental health a little bit you feel a little bit more flust not flustered but you feel a little bit just less organized and you feel like your week's maybe not as structured and um, so yeah i think it all has a knock-on effect you're not eating as well you don't then the motivation to go in and train and perform in the gym goes That's down it. as well. Um, and I know from experience, weeks where I've had poor nutrition choices has impacted my training in the gym and ultimately led to a little bit of a rut, yeah. which you can always get out of, obviously. But yeah, totally. The better you eat, the better your motivation will be, the better your training will be. And then it all knocks on. Similar to that, if you eat higher protein food, better quality food, lead a better lifestyle, it's leptin that's released, which is going to leave you fuller for longer. So I just wanted to bring those two chemicals or hormones into it because I want people to know when they're feeling that horrible hunger, that's what's happening. Now, the reason I want to mention that as well is if you're tracking your calories, there is this kind of myth out there that you can get away with not tracking calories because your nutrition's so good. So for example, someone will be like, well, I'm eating the right protein. Um, I'm always making sure I'm not, I'm not, not eating chocolate. I'm not snacking, but I'm not losing weight. I'm like, but you're not actually creating the deficit. Mm-hmm. And I will say, get good quality food into your body. Absolutely. But for somebody who does want fat loss mm-hmm. and to lose weight, they have to put the calories as their main priority. Yeah. That's the thing that's going to allow them to get that body fat reduction. Yeah. So when you are creating a deficit, try and make sure your quality food is good. But go for that 80-20 rule we always talk about. 80% of your food is decent, it's good. 
more nutritious and 20% is food that you actually just really just want to eat. Yeah. You know, um, don't just count all your favorite foods, basically. No. Um, if I told you, Matthew, I was like, right, okay, yeah, you're going to go to a deficit and I don't want you eating chocolate, I don't want you eating crisps, you're not allowed to have coffee, all your favorite foods are out, exactly. you would give up on it. What what sort of life is that? You know, the things <laughs> that you don't, you're not getting the things you enjoy. It's just, it's. What kind of life is that? It's, it's not a life. Now, the last kind of two things I want to talk about, first of all, is I want to talk about common mistakes. So common mistakes people make. So anyone listening to this, if you hear one of these mistakes, then just know that everyone does these things. Yeah. First of all, we talked about this at the start, binging at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. You ever had issues with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, even, <laughs> even myself, you know, you, you do. You know, you want one social occasion. It could be someone's birthday or your pals just decide, right, let's go out to the dance and let's go in there. Yeah, and then the next thing you know, you're having a McDonald's at one in the morning um, and then a kebab straight away after that. And then before you know it, your whole week's worth of trading is not all out the window, but you've definitely <laughs> impacted it. And not you've ruined best. it. You've ruined it, exactly. Now, one good way to combat that is not obsess every part of your progress Monday to Friday. Yeah. You have to think about it the whole week. Exactly. And it's always good to actually look at your calories for the whole week because then you're actually looking at, right, okay, have I created a deficit for the week, not just one day? Um, and what I always tell my clients to do is if they're going out on a Saturday, if they're going to go crazy and binge and whatever else, do not then beat themselves up about Sunday and then go into this massive binge episode that leads to them messing yeah. the Monday up. Think about this, the Sunday as a day where they're going to get back on track. They've had their fan on the Saturday. Yeah. They can go into Sunday thinking more steps today, lower my calories a little bit, be a bit more kind of understand that I don't, one day doesn't define my weekend. Exactly. As well as that, you can actually do a thing called calorie banking. Yeah. So with your clients to be said, right, your calories are 2000. So I want you to actually, because you're going out the weekend, just be a little bit lower each yeah. day. So then you can save up some calories. Exactly. Don't do that with many clients, but it does work for a lot of them if they are going to go out the weekend. So if you're listening to this and the weekend's one of your issues, try and resolve that and try and think about how you can actually combat those high calorie days of the weekend. Yeah. Another one is people cut out the foods they like. Yeah. So have you ever had a client say to you, right, I have to cut out chocolate and all these foods we were talking oh, about before? Yeah. Do you get that a lot? Sometimes, yeah, not as much really, but sometimes, yeah, I mean, it's just leading to a not a sustainable uh, diet, though, isn't it? I mean, as soon as you go from, from one to cold turkey, it's like, yeah, just you got, you got to ease yourself off of things nice and gently, don't you? But um, no, it's definitely something that I think a lot of clients are guilty of, yeah. for sure. Just going too hard too soon. And then they don't want to continue with it. So it's exactly. all about finding a plan that you like and something you can sustain. Like I said, 80-20, keep those foods in you enjoy. You will not regret it. Exactly. Uh, and the last thing is giving up too easily. Now, this is probably one, I, I think this is probably the biggest problem with fitness industry, the fitness industry today mm -hmm. is because there's so much information out there, people often create a calorie deficit. They go into like two weeks of it and they're like, well, I haven't actually lost weight. And again, they're having those issues. They're not actually properly tracking the food. They're yeah. not concerned what they're moving it. Their movement is. They're cut out foods they enjoy. Yeah. yeah. And just because they're not getting results and they're miserable, they're like, I have to stop this. And I'm going to go back to what I was doing before. Exactly. Or they go, I have to stop the calorie deficit. I'm going to go into like the keto diet or I'm going to go into a more extreme diet. Yeah. They get better results, but they can't sustain it. So exactly. one thing I'd recommend every single person listening to this podcast today is if you're doing a calorie deficit, me and Matthew both tell our clients this, do not just give up on it. Make sure you tweak things. So if you get to two weeks in and the skills are not moving, just tweak a couple of things. You can maybe yeah. just lower calories in a certain meal. Yeah. You can maybe look at, are you moving enough? Could you maybe improve your need to exercise, improve your actual physical activity? And then you might notice the scales coming down. Yeah. Stick with it. I would say stick with the plan, assess things every month, 
and you'll get better results. Exactly. Nothing happens overnight. So persevere with it. That's one of the most common things I think for me with clients is people often underestimate, especially people with night five on the Friday jobs, you know, their nutrition is spot on. Yeah. I'm having 1500, 1600 calories every day. I'm not losing weight though. And you're like, okay, well, how many steps are you getting during the day? Oh, 2000. Oh, well, there you go. That's it. So yeah. it's the simple things like that. Now, before we finish the podcast, I want you, Matthew, to think you're, just think as hard as you can here about what your best bit of advice for someone who's going to create a calorie deficit could be. So what would you say that is? Yeah, I, I'm always encouraged to soften a, a, a less aggressive deficit. So it could be 200 calories, 250 calories. See, obviously, as we were talking about there, you can play about with it and see how your body reacts yeah. to the number um, on a month-to-month basis. But yeah, keep it nice and simple. Start off a bit slower. If nothing's happening. You can increase it slowly. Um, and don't cut out the foods you enjoy. Keep some of the foods in, but just have things in moderation. Um, and then just really find something that you enjoy eating. So for example, for me, I'm really enjoying at the moment actually eating loads of protein puddings. So they're high in protein. Oh, I actually enjoy them. Um, to name drop a supermarket, Aldi. Aldi. Really good protein puddings. And my favorite, I think, is actually... The chocolate one. Um, you about the pouches too. All the pouches. Oh, the Skyer yeah, pouches. Yeah, they're really good. Um, so, so yeah, finding a high source of protein that you really enjoy having um, is quite important, I think, too. Um, and also not cutting out the foods that you do enjoy. And starting off nice and easy, nice and gentle. And then if needs be, you can then let turn it a little bit more aggressive, as per se. Um, and then can see how your body reacts. Totally agree, but that is a really good way to explain the calorie deficit. Start slow, build up, just like Matthew said there, and get that quality food in, and you'll be more likely to sustain it. Exactly. Anyone who is listening to this, if you have if you have any issues with calorie deficits, just get in touch with us. Let us know. But it's something that you just have to consider for your fat loss journey. If you don't, it's going to be a much harder time for you. If you don't like tracking your calories, there's other methods. They're just a bit more difficult to actually sustain. So hopefully this helps somebody. Matthew, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, mate. We'll have you on again very soon as well, okay? So look forward to it. Cheers, guys.